Hello and welcome to another interview on GivingCirclesHelp.com where we're compiling information and interviews from people around the country and the world who are running their own giving circles and that way we can all learn from each other and improve our ability to make an impact with our giving. And I'm continuing my focus on college giving circles and I'm very excited to welcome to the call today Charlotte Taylor who is with the University of Arkansas and is the Senior Director of Development and as part of her responsibilities there at the university. She also helps run the Giving Circle. So Charlotte, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you very much. So could you start by kind of giving us an overview of the Giving Circle that you you help run? Um, Our work at Women's Giving Circle was started during our last capital campaign uh, by the Women in Philanthropy Committee. And so that was in um, 2001, I believe, that that it started. And so we have been building each year on that organization and what we do to support the university and our mission. So 2001, that makes you a very uh, long a giving circle that has been running for a long time. Have you been with the giving circle that whole time? I have been a member since the second year of its, its existence, um, but I did not start working with it from a staffing perspective until about three years ago. So, but I have a pretty good long history of the organization just from having been a member for so long. So, so in your experience, um, how has the Giving Circle changed over the years? Has it or has it kind of remained pretty stable? It's actually grown slowly. Um, it, it is basically an annual fund uh, or operation. And so we started out with probably 30 members and it built to 50. Our chancellor um, challenged us for our 10th anniversary to get 100 members, and we meet that goal. And we're at about 127 now. Um, but like any annual fund program, you have to keep your past members as well as get new members if you want to grow. So mm-hmm. um, that's constantly, you know, a project. Mm-hmm. So for your 10th anniversary, your challenge was to. Uh, how many more members was that than where you currently were before the challenge? I think, you know, I, it's been a while. I think we were probably at 75. Each year we've tried to gain about 25 members. Um, and now that I'm thinking back on it, it maybe wasn't even a, a membership m- amount that first year. I think maybe it was more a dollar amount. He mm. said he would... He would um, uh, give us some extra funds if we got to a certain dollar amount that we could grant. Then the next years after that, it went to 100 and then 125 members this last fall. We met that challenge as well. Oh. Well, that's a fun participation with the college to, to kind of encourage you to, to grow the circle. I haven't yes. heard of that happening anywhere else before. but that, I like Our that. chancellor, our present chancellor, is very committed to the Women's Giving Circle. And um, his mother, his mother, his, his uh, wife is a longtime member as well. And so he knows that our increased membership just allows us to give more money out. So he has definitely been very supportive over the last number of years. Do you think that's helped you be successful as a giving circle, having that buy-in from other parts of the school? Yes, definitely. Um, we've used that. We've le- definitely leveraged that challenge to to get more members and to encourage members to stay on board. Um, so yeah, I think it's definitely helped. I don't know if if we've hit a plateau now or not, but um, I think that that it has definitely helped us in the last couple of years. Mm. 
well, you have been uh, successful in, in increasing your membership over the last couple of years. So I, I'm curious, it, you know, if you were to kind of give advice to other colleges thinking about starting or growing their giving circle, what's been successful for you these last couple of years in, in attracting more members? Well, I think for us, it's just the amount of funds that we've been able to give out each year. That and, and those women that come to our events and see how the money is distributed and see it in action, meet our recipients and, and, and really get engaged, they tell others, and that's been that's been one thing to help us build our membership and get our name out there. Um, we, we don't have a lot of membership events. We do have some. And in, early on in our in our organization, we had a lot of membership events, and that seemed to be a way to get people to come to things and learn about our program. But as we've been in existence now a number of years, those have been less successful. So really, it's more word of mouth. We do send out a lot of letters uh, upon members' recommendations, uh, but it's really that one-on-one -on -one that gets women to buy into it. Mm and i think you raise a good point which is kind of like success builds on success so it can be harder to kind of get it started and attract the initial people but then as it starts to grow and as people start to see like numbers and results then it's easier to get other people right. involved has that been your experience it, it has been i'll say the hardest thing for us is to get the information out to the broader community uh, about what we're doing not just at the University of Arkansas and to our alumni and friends that are all across the country and the world, but also locally and in the state of Arkansas. So we find that a lot of women, even though we've been around 14 years, 13, 14 years, they say, I've never heard of it. And so we have been going on a major blitz this spring, or our plan is to go on a blitz this spring to get media in our alumni magazine, buy ads. Uh, we have these things called short takes on the university's website so that everybody gets to see those. So we're trying to do a lot more media that will get out to our broader community to say what we are so that when they do get a membership letter or somebody asks them to join or come to an event, they know what we are. Right now, we still don't have that, that knowledge base out there. Okay, so you are even trying to attract members to your giving circle who may not necessarily have graduated from your university? Oh, correct. Yeah, we're open to anybody. We're open to anybody. The vast majority of our members are graduates or work on campus, but um, we have members across the United States, and um, we have a number of non-University of Arkansas uh, alumni that are members. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So another thing that I just wanted to follow up on, you mentioned uh, that you send out lots of letters based on um, like input from members. So, so how does that work? Do you ask members, like, do you know anybody? And then they give you a name. And can you just kind of flesh that out for me in a yes. little more detail? Anytime we're together as a group, um, we always have a call for, for potential members, and um, so our members will then write down names and addresses of people that they think should receive a letter, um, and we then send a letter that says, Sally Sue recommended that you'd be a great member to the Women's Giving Circle and you'd understand our commitment to the things that we're doing. So, oh, okay. um, so during the year, we get... Uh, all the time, women will think of somebody that should should potentially be a member, and we'll send those letters out. Gotcha. Um, it tends to get more aggressive in the summer when we're heading into our, the fall, which is when our grant cycle is. But um, yeah, we get them all year. As a matter of fact, I sent signed two this morning to go out to people that that should be members. Gotcha.
So you mentioned your grant cycle, so let's talk a little bit about that because what's interesting to me about your giving circle are all the wonderful programs uh, that you guys are supporting. So could you kind of walk through, like, um, give us an overview of your, your process? Okay. Well, it, it starts in the spring when we send out a call for programs to uh, our, our campus community, faculty and staff and, and anybody on campus. And we tell them that the grants are due August 1st. I think August 1st this year is on a weekend, so it's a different date, but it's typically at 5 o'clock on August 1st. And so faculty and staff, after all these years, they're already thinking about it. Mm-hmm. But, it's but on now their it's radar real, as potential. It's on their radar, mm-hmm. right, exactly. Yes, in our first years, we you know might, might have had 10 grant applications, and now we typically get 50-plus grant applications. So what happens, we have a grants committee that gets together, and our staff here organizes all of the grants and gets them, you know, in a, in a good process. Everybody gets a binder, and we have, we have about 10 to 12 on our grants committee that either read all or half of the grants. Some people just reading all 50-plus is just too much, mm, you know. That's a lot. Um, mm-hmm. It is a lot. And so we have a process, a score sheet that they look at and read the grants and then score them according to the score sheet. And we also, since we have members on campus that are on the grants committee, we don't let anybody who read any grants from their own college or their own unit. Mm-hmm. So, um, so it's as fair as possible. We even have some members that have one grant, so we obviously don't let them look at any grants that are from their unit. So, um, so we the grants committee reads all of the grants. We tally all of that information and rank them according to their scores. Every grant is read um, uh, between eight to ten times, depending on how many grant people we have reading them. And so once we get that, we see from our top score all the way down to our bottom. And then usually there's a pretty natural break in there. And we we like to to hope hope that's around 20 or so, because 20 is what we found is reasonable for our membership to read. So once we determine, it also is determined by how much money we have to give out, too. If we only have 50,000 to give out, then we we don't want to bring too many people back that won't receive any funds. but if we have 140,000, then we can obviously bring a lot more back. So typically we end up between 20 and 25 grants that we then um, send out to our entire membership electronically to most and to some that don't have it uh, capabilities to get it electronically. We send it to them hard copy. Then our membership has an opportunity to score all those grants, just like the grants committee did. That information comes back in and it's tallied and again we kind of look at our top grants, uh, the scoring, and eventually the last couple of years we've had 10 to 12 recipients or grant uh, applicants come to our event in the fall. Our membership comes together. They um, present to us they each get about 10 minutes to present, answer questions. We allow no AV or handouts or anything like that. We want everything to be fair and equal. Mm-hmm. And they leave the room then, and the women begin to deliberate. And by the end of an hour and a half or so, we have the spread of how we're going to be giving our funds out for that year. So it's a pretty. we've got the process down to a fine science, and it's worked very well for us. And one of the things I noticed is there's quite a range in the amounts yes. that you're giving. So how do you decide how, how much to give? Well, the the grant recipients are, you know, asked how much, you know, how much they want. 
show us your budget, and if you're not given that much, what would be uh, the minimum amount that you could receive to make mm. this project go? Okay. So we know that up front. Um, and when we are we're listening to them, we're we're asking them questions about their budget and what their funds are going for. Um, typically, we have about fifty or so women mem- in our membership that are listening to these things. They're certainly no by no means experts in these areas, but they have interests and a reasonable knowledge. And so they ask good questions. At the end of the day, we look at all of our funds and see well, you know, who got. The, the most interest, who got the most scores, and it, it's just really a conversation at the end of the day how much you want to give. Sometimes we give more money. We have been known on many occasions to give more money than somebody requested if we think the need is there, if they, the, it merits having more money. Um, and then sometimes we obviously give less. We have found, though, if you give less, um, if you get too close to their minimum, sometimes the projects just can't happen. Mm. They're, they're, they're wanting funding, so they're asking, but in reality, sometimes the, fun, the projects just can't go if they have too little money. So um, we like to give more money when possible. That's interesting. And so this kind of all just works out naturally through the process of discussion? That's correct. We have a facilitator. We have a process. You know, okay. we have a facilitator, and um, we have a process that we've, again, kind of fine-tuned. Um, but we sit around in tables, small group tables, because we, we will also eat lunch together and have other stuff happening while we're together. So we're kind of start out the discussions in small groups, work into the larger group, and do some initial voting so that we kind of have an initial spread of, of what it looks like. Mm-hmm. And then the discussions begin. And having a facilitator and, and some people who've been done this before, we know what to look for and what to watch for. And the, the most important thing is that each woman feels like she's got an equal voice. As in any organization, some people are more vocal than others, and so it's the facilitator's job and, and others to make sure that every, everybody has the voice, feels good about the discussion and the decision, and moves forward. So, it's yeah, I wouldn't do it without a facilitator, for sure, for, for that amount of women. It just... Early on in our history, we, we always had a facilitator, but sometimes um, it just didn't work out as well if they didn't have really good skills in that area, but I think we've kind of perfected it now. Oh, that's so interesting. So now, can I ask, because uh, I've never heard of this facilitator before, is this like a professional that you hire, or is it just somebody who just has good skills and they come and they sit in your meeting? Is it a member? Um, well, we have tried many different things, and when I took this position over, I asked a good friend of mine who happens to be the dean of students on campus if she would facilitate for us. Um, I, I figured in student affairs, you know, you have to have pretty good facilitation skills because you're always in meetings or leading workshops or doing something like that. And so she has done it the last three years. She's done a great job, and after the first year, she joined the organization. So she is a member now, but all of us that are members as well as staff people that run it. There's three of us now. Um, we, I just tell us that we need to be, we, we don't need to give our opinions out quite as readily as mm-hmm. we want the other members to. And certainly the facilitator can't do that, but she seems to be able to work just fine under those restrictions. Mm-hmm. Well, that's fascinating. I would love to be able to watch one of your meetings and watch that unfold. It sounds great. And it I, is, definitely. 
and I like your suggestion that like you know we don't express our opinions as much that's one thing that I've done in my giving circles is you know by the time the charities get out there I'm pretty much okay with whoever we decide and I it's I you know want everybody to be more involved and, and let their voices be heard and so I don't find that it's useful to add my voice at that point in time right so it's, right, it's a really exactly. great reminder that this is a really democratic process and you have to pay attention to people's voices. Definitely, definitely. And usually by the time, you know, our grants grants get down to that final where they're coming before us personally, they've already gone through th- two rounds. So the hope is that we've got the cream of the crop there, you know, the best. So, mm-hmm. um, But, yes, I think it is important to, to listen to the membership and for us to, to have voted in, in the other processes. You know, I certainly vote online when, I have, uh, when I'm able to. I, sometimes I have to step up and be one of the grant readers because another one has dropped out. So I've had my opportunity to, to get my votes in there, so they don't necessarily need to listen to my voice unless they really want to or unless there's something really compelling, you know, which, of mm-hmm. course, you, 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 we all have our favorite pet projects. And uh, one year, years ago, not when I was in the position I'm in now, but one of my projects from the unit that I was working with didn't get in, and I was really disappointed. And I, but I had to realize it was the democratic process, and yeah. I had to let it go. So, yeah. do you find that setting expectations helps that disappointment? Because that's now na- it's just going to happen at times. Oh, certainly. And, and of course, once it happens, you realize next time that you need to not be quite so vested in it. But, uh, <laughs> but yes, no, it's, it was a good lesson to learn that, that it's, you know, up to everybody else. And so, or all of us together. And um, that's perfectly fine. But you're right about setting expectations. It is helpful if you know going into it that you're not going to all be 100% happy. Mm-hmm. And so now of your 100 members, how many members are participating in that voting, pro- that final phase? Is it everyone, or is it just Um, the people who can make it there in person? It's just the people who can make it there in person. We do it on a football weekend uh, in the fall. Football's a big thing around here, and so a lot of people come in for football games. So what we typically have is a reception on Thursday night for our members in, in someone's home. And then uh, Friday we get to business going right about 8.30 in the morning, and by 2.30 we have made our decisions, had a meeting, done everything, and we're actually at the reception where we announce our winners. So, mm-hmm. um, so it's just those people that can come in, but we let everybody Everybody know the date really early so that people can plan their schedules. Um, but obviously, for people that are very, very far away, unless they're coming back to a game, it's hard for them to come back to. So we get more people that live within driving distance. Mm-hmm. And, and just on average, would you say how many people show up? We have typically between 45 and 50 people okay. at each event. And mm-hmm. and we have, you know, a little breakfast, and, and then we have a nice lunch, have a business meeting if we need to, uh, talk about some other things related to the circle um, that are important, like new officers when we need to do that. And um, so it's it's a fun day. It's a fun day for sure. Mm-hmm. So, you know, after having this giving circle around for all these years, I think that you guys probably can share uh, a thing or two about maintaining a giving circle. How do you keep this giving circle running well and, and continuing to grow? Well, because it is basically an annual fund appeal, it just takes diligence to track. My assistant does a great job of tracking whose memberships are up 
in what months and getting letters out in advance saying, well, I hope you're going to continue your membership, um, sending reminders, just like anything. You just have to send reminders and try to keep them in the loop. Um, so it just takes a lot of coordination on that part. And then, of course, trying to get new members um, is constantly talking to folks and reminding your members. We send a, an email to our members about once or twice a month. We don't want to overload them with, with information. But, for instance, if one of our grants gets some good positive PR, um, we'll send them a link or send mm. them whatever it is. And that gets the excitement, the buzz going. And then people will typically say, oh, I have another friend who should be a member. And so um, we just try to do that all during the year to get people excited and to be thinking about it though not to bug them all the time. We do have an event coming up in March where we're going to um, have a wine and cheese, kind of a hors d'oeuvres reception, and have some of our past grant recipients come and mix and mingle with the group and talk to them. And, and uh, we've asked our members to bring a couple of new potential members and almost use it as a recruiting event, but also get some updates from our grant recipients through the years so that they can get excited about what we've what our money's doing. Mm-hmm. And I find that's one of the, the really important parts of a giving circle, one thing that distinguishes it in many ways from other giving is that really uh, strong connection between what you give and the result of that giving. Uh, And I think it really keeps people connected uh, to the giving circle in that way. So I think that's a wonderful thing that you're doing. Definitely. Our 10th anniversary was the first time we actually really did that. We had a our normal grant cycle in the morning, and then in the afternoon after lunch, we got on um, actually a vehicle, safe ride vehicle that we had funded for safety on campus, and we went to, I think we hit three of our grant recipients um, very different. One was in research, uh, breast cancer research. One was in green roofs, quality of life life issues. We've gone to our food pantry on campus that we've funded. And yes, you're right. It was a very much of a hands-on and a wonderful opportunity to see our money in action. Though I will say, uh, for working women, we tend to lose women who can't spend a whole day doing something. Mm-hmm. So we tend to lose them after lunch and um only those that can spend that much time, you know, extra time out and about can do the afternoon kinds of things. But mm-hmm. we're trying to do, that's, we're trying this one in the evening. We're not going to the grant recipient's location. We're actually having them come to, to us to mix and mingle. So we're hoping that that'll, that'll help a little bit of that. Not so much hands-on, but at least talking to these people and, you know, getting some good feedback. Mm-hmm. And like you mentioned, including news of grantees in your emails and things like that. So there are many different avenues for reminding them about the difference that they're making on your campus. Definitely. Yeah. So this is part of your, you know, your your school's efforts in fundraising, um, in addition to the other ways that you obviously raise for for your university. has there ever been any difficulty in reconciling the giving circle with other um, fundraising efforts? Not, not really. I think you know when you talk about major giving for us, that's twenty five thousand and above. And so when you're talking about joining the circle, that's much less than that. So there's usually not a lot of conflict. Matter of fact, usually or oftentimes it can be a gateway gift, that starter gift that gets somebody engaged, and then they might go on to make a major gift to the university. On occasion, there might be some people that are concerned. Don't talk about the Women's Giving Circle because I know I love to talk about it. But mm. um, I don't think it really competes. It, it more than anything enhances because we do give to 
every program across campus. I mean, every academic unit, as well as many other student affairs, uh, the library, our, our public radio station, the police station. I mean, there have been a lot of other entities that have received money. So I don't think it's really in competition at all, but, but could be perceived that way. But I don't mm-hmm. think it is. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. I did uh, see in your newsletter uh, that you've gotten your first endowment yes, for we did. the Giving Circle. We did. We're very excited about that because obviously when Women's Giving Circle was started, it was to encourage women to be philanthropists in a in a more major way, and um, haven't really done a, haven't really done any asking for that. But one of our relatively new members was working on her estate plans and and wanted to support the circle. So that's very exciting, and we we did get some wonderful publicity for that, and hoping that more women women will begin to think about that in their estate plans. Mm. And so this is going to let you, uh, so just so that I understand the way it works, so with an endowment, that money stays in one place, but you take a, uh, uh, the interest, and then that That's will correct. be added to your monthly, they're not your, it will be added to the donations of the rest of the members? That's exactly right, so that every year we know that um, when that endowment is set up, and it won't be, of course, until this woman passes away, which will be a long time from now, but when that happens, we know that we'll potentially get $10,000 or whatever that amount is automatically every year mm-hmm. to give away in grants. So that's exciting because that will just add to our total. And at some point, um, my goal, if we could ever get large enough and have enough resources, would be perhaps to have two grant cycles, one in the fall that is general and open to the public. But I'd also like to think about having a more directed one. We've had, like everybody else, there's a lot of food issues. One year we had eight grant applications that were related to food, food insecurity, food hunger, Mm. uh, food pantry on campus, Um, you know, every aspect of food, including obesity. So I thought, wouldn't it be great if we could have a real targeted um, grant cycle that was about an issue? Uh, Two years it's been food, but last year it was, um, what was it last year? It was something else that came, oh, STEM, uh, STEM programs for women. So, you know, there are some things like that that might rise up if we had enough money to have another cycle to, say, have a fifty dollars or $75,000 grant cycle about an issue on campus. That would be pretty cool, too. So, But we're not there yet. Yeah. We're not there yet. Be a wonderful problem to solve when you get there, though. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Well, Charlotte, I, this has been a fascinating interview, and I've learned so much. And I know we are all so busy, so I want to be respectful of your time. Um, is there anything about your, your giving circle that I didn't get a chance to ask you that you wouldn't want us to know about? You think that somebody else might be able to learn from something that you're doing or stop doing? Well, I think the only thing that we didn't touch on is that we, our organization is run out of the University of Arkansas in, in every way, but we do have a volunteer board um, that is made up of three women, and then we have committee chairs that, that help us really be our eyes and, and ears out in the community and out in our membership. Um, and so we meet quarterly to talk to them, get ideas from them. That the, the running of the organization definitely is here at the university, but we do have wonderful women who serve as officers, and certainly all the women who are on the grants committee um, are crucial to our success. So that is one thing that's very important. And so what does your board do help you help you do? Um, like I said, mainly it's the eyes and ears to help us think of new things, to brainstorm, to um, to just make sure everything runs smoothly, but they are the ones who lead our meeting. Our president mm. leads our meeting, okay. um, and 
you know, does, does, does that part of it. But all the behind-the-scenes stuff is done by staff. But um, we have a president, uh, a president-elect who kind of serves uh, in, a, in a learning capacity, and we have a past president who then heads up our nominations committee. And then we have, let's see, our committees are membership, uh, programming, and, the, and grants. So uh, they're all important. Do you have any difficulty finding women willing to serve? Since I've been in the job three years, no. I don't know what might have happened prior to my being here, but mm -hmm. looking back at our past presidents, we've we've had wonderful uh, women that have stepped up and taken the position, so I don't think it's been a difficulty. Mm, that's that's good to hear. It sounds like you've done a good job of of building a community of women who really enjoy being part of this giving circle. Well, I hope so, definitely. Well, Charlotte, thank you so much for spending your after a few minutes of your afternoon with us. I know that this information will be absolutely useful to another college who's interested in starting a giving circle. Thank you very much.